The game started at one. It does start at one, and you're a jackass. No, I'm a pitcher. Hey again, everybody. Welcome to episode something of uh, Revenge of the '90s. Uh, this is the podcast where we talk about the most glorious decade in film. Uh, I am Steve. With me, as always, is Fabs. You got an angel at your side, Roger. <laughs> and we are talking about one of the most overtly religious, weirdly enough, movies uh, I've ever seen. And especially for a Disney movie. Yeah. Uh, we are talking about 1994's Angels in the Outfield. Yes. We are talking about it because as of right now, uh, there is a baseball season and we are going to celebrate the return of baseball. But watching baseball games right now also feels very sad. And so I don't know how <laughs> exciting it is to pair these two things together because by the time this airs baseball could be completely gone yeah i know i'm expecting by the time this airs in like a month that this season will have been over for three months for three three weeks um but it pairs nicely (laughs) because this movie is shockingly sad we'll get into that but yeah Yeah, this is probably one of the darkest movies besides being overtly religious this is also one of the (laughs) darkest films in movie history (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so um, so Angels in the Outfield, it is a 1994 Disney movie. Kids of the 90s will absolutely remember this movie because I feel like I feel like you just like magically owned a cassette of this when you were a kid, like every kid had this. And as a kid's movie, I mean, it's really good. It's it's, um, you know, obviously like baseball movies run the gamut in terms of like, you know, your hard R's like Major League and then you've got like your kiddie stuff. But like this was that golden age where Major League Baseball would just license it out, license out their stuff to any movie. And I miss movies like that. Like, I I can't remember the last movie that was like a licensed baseball property. Was it like Mr. 3000? Yeah, it had to have been. Yeah, the the Bernie Mac classic where he's four hits short of uh, making the Hall of Fame. But he was such a a dick to everybody that they're just like, oh, well, now you can't be in the Hall of Fame because you're four hits short. Uh, and he even though like he told, even though they would have like even though that wouldn't have mattered yeah it wouldn't mattered, it's yeah. like dude you still get to be in with 2,996 hits yeah <laughs> don't worry about it <laughs> uh he goes back and plays for the brewers yep i think that yep. might be one of the last so, ones yep yeah I I, there might be some others but maybe i don't know but this was you know it's just always fun to you know see like pro teams in movies and i would say you know initial reactions upon rewatching it like as a kid's movie, I think Angels in the Outfield totally holds up. It is a, it's like a kind of a bizarre, ridiculous, I mean, obviously ridiculous premise because it's a bunch of angels from heaven helping, which like I, we, I need to get into the plot, uh, one plot point with you on this uh, yeah. soon because I just popped into my head the idea that like, um, this main character, Roger, I'm just going to hop right into it. I'm just going right in. I'm guns blazing here. <laughs> Roger is Roger and JP are two orphan foster kids. And the gist of this movie is that Roger played by Joseph Gordon Levitt prays to heaven that the angels win the AL pennant so that he can be a family again with his dad. So what's crazy is the angels do help him. So these angels come from heaven and help <laughs> these sad sack losers on the <laughs> California angels 
like play well and win probably what seems like 28,000 games in a row. But the funny thing is that like it, it has not like, it, like he doesn't get what he wants. Like they, they don't do it to have him be a family again with his dad. Like they make him go through like the excruciating pain of his birth father being like, ah, fuck you. I don't want to be your father. And like going to court and like emancipating himself from his son. So like, yeah, the end goal is like that, like Danny Glover gets to be, his dad, but I don't know, man. Like it seems pretty messed up that the angels make him suffer <laughs> through all of this. Dude, you just think about what you just said though. You just described a kid's movie where there's a court scene right. where like a dad emancipates himself from his own son. Uh, Dermot Mulroney, who I forgot plays the, the one of the shittiest, like in a non super serious, like drama, one of the shittiest father figures even ever ever ever. i like in i would say in like the horror mystery comedy romance genres probably a top five garbage dad because in drama have you ever like in a drama like a historical drama obviously you have like dads who do stuff in the holocaust and like super serious like the civil war where it's like oh well like that's like life and death but like in a non in that not in that circumstance he is utter trash have you ever seen a movie where a father like there are lots of deadbeat dads in film, but like, I don't know if I've ever seen a movie unless there's like an obvious one I'm missing where the dad stares his son in the face and is like, I don't like you. I don't want to be your dad anymore. And not, not only do I not want to be your dad and I'll just treat you like shit. I'm literally just going to give you up. Yeah. I'm like a, I'm your, your mom died. So I'm giving up. Yeah. Your mom died. So that's it. Yeah. It's, it's like, shocking. It's shocking. Crazy. And the backstory is like, apparently like, when the mom died, the dad spiraled and just like doesn't have the money to support both of them. So it's just so he just g- gives him away. Yeah, gives him away, and he's like, "I'm gonna go travel around on my motorcycle, and like, I'll make you a deal if uh, if the angels win the pennant, like I'll like we can be a family again." So that that's kind of like the crux of all of this. Then he prays on the yeah. shooting star, and they show up the next day. Yeah, we are describing the first five minutes of this movie. Of this, so this kids is, movie. Of this kids <laughs> movie. <laughs> no, and also like in the opening credits, JP and JP is um uh the other foster boy, the younger foster boy, who's also got an excruciatingly sad backstory. Oh um <laughs> they're on a bike, they're on their bikes riding through like a really like bad part of Anaheim it looks like yeah like a really like rundown area um so there's already that like backdrop and then they're like on their bikes talking about how like Roger's mom is dead and JP's uh dad is dead and so they're talking about being like friends up in heaven so like already within like five seconds of this movie you're dealing with like two deaths then when they get home from their bike ride J- uh, Roger's dad who Oh, it wasn't bad enough that he just gave up and left. He comes back to give him up again, where yeah. he's like, Hey, I know I told you I'd come back and, and take you with me, but like, I also lied about that. So I don't know why I'm here, but bye. Yeah, I'll be so back. I'll, like, maybe I'll come back and like we can figure this out. And so it sets him up a third time where he finally gives him up in court, like legally. He's like, You're not my son right. anymore. Doesn't hug him goodbye. And it's like, All right, boy. No, like, I'll see you. I'll take, take care of yourself. Don't get into trouble. And it's like, yeah, you're just, it's like you're hitting the face within five minutes with just like some of the like most grim backstory you could ever imagine in film. Dude, and the movie starts off too, like very religious, like overtly religious. The first line is, Roger, do you believe in heaven? Right. And it's like, oh, okay. And then they have that conversation you're talking about where they talk about, I mean, it is really cool. Like in terms of like, they explore uh, like some really serious topics. So like as an adult, I appreciate it. I felt it, that made it age. Um, so like, yeah, you put on your like kid head, kid helmet for like the really goofy, ridiculous baseball moments. But like as an adult rewatching it, it is like some really adult themes are throwing, thrown out at us. And I mean, it's handled like, weirdly well like the foster mom um i i off the top of my head i i should have written down her name the actress it's the bird woman from home alone to lost in new york um she's the foster uh, mom she's lovely it's brenda brenda fricker okay 
Yeah, that's what she was from. I forgot. I was oh man, I couldn't place it when I was watching it. Like I knew then I knew who she was, but okay. So it's the pigeon lady. The pigeon lady, yes. Yep. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean it like you you write right off the bat, it's this really sad backstory for both of these kids. They're also like shockingly adorable. I mean, JP is Oh, JP is one of the, the cutest, cutest kid on earth kids ever from like I and that was like going into the movie. That was one of the things I like remembered already. Like when we decided to do this, I'm like, oh, I get to see JP again. Like he was adorable growing up and he's so just as adorable. And then Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he's really, I mean, he obviously he's like a heartthrob now, but he's really cute as a little kid. He's a really good young actor. Um, and yeah, and then we get right off the bat, like you said, uh, we find out about his backstory of his father. And so he preys upon a, like a shooting star. And uh, we go from there. Yeah, I think this movie handles like the uh, sad elements really delicately. Uh, And so there's like a really good emotional payoff at the end of this movie, which like, you know, in true Disney fashion is exactly what you're expecting for there to be this big like emotional crescendo at the end. But I do think that they handle like the foster environment and like Maggie being a good foster mother and like the situation that the two kids are in and like, cause it's a very real situation for a lot of kids. So like, this is, this is also a movie where like there are probably plenty of kids who could relate to this kind of stuff. And so I do think they handle it delicately. It's not like silly. It's not goofy. It's like, it's, it's asking children to just like, it doesn't like talk down to kids who are watching the movie. It's not like, they're sidestepping it or ignoring it. It's just like, this is like how things are. And we're going to introduce you to this concept through like a baseball movie. And like to Disney's credit, they do it really well. Mm -hmm. Um, This is, this is, this was like, this was like Disney's bread and butter in the nineties, this kind of stuff. Yeah, this is, and I'm sure like movies like this will get dumped on Disney plus and they'll be like, not even half as good. They'll just be like dog shit. But this is, this is the future of Disney plus uh, in terms of like live action, um, kids movies, but they're going to be God awful. I can yeah. tell you that. Yeah. They're not going to get like Danny Glover and some like Tony Danza, who was like pretty big at this time. Like they're not going to get any kind of sizable stars. No. Um. Okay. So that sets you up on the side of Roger and JP. You kind of meet them. Um, next thing, uh, the other half of this movie is the actual team itself, the California angels at this time. I think if I'm right. It might have been the last year that they were the California Angels. Um, yeah, then they became Anaheim for 15 years, and then now they're Los Angeles, even though Anaheim is like 60 miles south of Los Angeles and a completely yeah. different like world. <laughs> the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Yeah, like it that's makes their, that's their name up. Yeah, like it's yeah, so dumb. Yeah, so now you meet the California Angels. Uh, so this movie was filmed in 1993. Um, this was the year uh, this will come back at the end of the episode, but this was filmed in the year before the um, baseball went to the like three division format. It was still a two division format. So there were no like wildcard playoffs or anything like that. It was you had two divisions in each league. The winner of each division played each other, played each other in a championship series to go to the World Series. This will come back later in the movie because it is a gaping ass plot hole. Um, <laughs> it is a goatsy sized gaping plot hole here. Um, so you meet next uh, George Knox, the manager of the angels. And I got to tell you who's played by Danny Glover brilliantly. Great role. Um, I have to tell you, I did not realize what a gigantic piece of shit George Knox was. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Dude, he is like an utter prick. Like he's, he's, he's a monster. He's absolutely miserable to everybody on his team. Um, I guess he his backstory he had like success as the manager of Cincinnati the Cincinnati Reds. Um, Tony Danza's character was a pitcher for him, and basically they hate each other because he was shoving like pain pills down Tony Danza's throat to get him through his like <laughs> shoulder injuries. Um, he's just like also just not a good manager. Like he gets in a fight with his pitch starting pitcher. Um, he fights him on the mound. On the mound that would have like ended him for the season. Uh, like that, that would have been done. He would have been suspended. Yeah. And then later in the, like, we'll talk about the last game, like to win the pennant, but like he keeps his like aging pitcher in whose arm is just shot. Like in the sixth inning, he barely gets through like the fifth and sixth inning. He keeps him in the entire game. He's just like, Oh, like it will be fine. It's like, he's on like a hundred page, 150. 
his arm is like, which is insane. Yeah. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, oh, he's got to be tired. He's throwing 156 pitches. No shit. And they did this a lot, though, in like 90s, like baseball sports movies, where it's like no baseball team had a like reliever rotation. It was like, no, oh, there's everybody starting, pitched a complete game. Yeah. There's a starting pitcher or like via major league, like, the star pitcher is the reliever. Like that's all, that's all there was. Like there were, there was those two categories. Right. Yeah. Well, you couldn't like in a baseball movie, you, you're not allowed to manage the game like you would in like a normal baseball game. It's like every pitcher pitches nine innings and every score is zero, zero going into the ninth because otherwise it doesn't track. So it was like, like, I don't know, can't tell you how many one to nothing walk off wins they have in this movie. It's like three or four wins. Dude. So, and like now it'd be, he would have been out by like the fourth inning and then we would have seen like six other pitchers come in to like get out of these like really <laughs> tight jams. Like, right. Right. The angels. Yeah. Right. The angels are like, how many of these like fucking pitchers do we have to help? Yeah, they would run out of angels. Like they just like, yeah. Oh my God, they've gone through. <laughs> right. pitchers. Oh God. So yeah. So George Knox uh, feeds pain pills to Tony Danza and, and then just like, takes off to California where like, apparently he's got some sort of cushy manager job because like he wants to quit. This is like his first season with the angels and he wants to quit. And the owner or general manager who's, I can't remember if that's the owner or general manager. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that guy's the owner. So the owner's like, no, you're not quitting. Like, this is like, you got to stick it out. You got to ride it out with this team. Cause like you got to get through the bad times and uh, eventually, you know, you're going to build this team up. So George Knox, awful like he's just a dickhead to everybody he wants to quit he hates the team he bashes the players he fights a pitcher on the mound punches him right in the face um that alone is like enough to get him suspended and or fired immediately yep um you know he has that confrontation with tony danza where he's like i don't give a fuck about what happened to you with those pain pills and you're never coming off the the injured list (laughs) so like (laughs) And he treats the rest of the team like utter garbage. He tips over like the food table. You know, he's just like laying into him. It's the all-star break. So it's in July. So it's obvious that they're terrible because they're in last place. So, you know, he's just a monster, just generally a monster. He's mean to everybody. He's going to fire his new assistant, like for media relations. He's going to, he's going to fire the guy in like a week. So he's just like rampaging around the place. And I just like, I was like blown away that, by the end of this movie, I'm like in love with the guy. Yeah. Like I, it's like a, a really great guy. Yeah. They do a really yeah. good job of like, and I think, I mean, they have those great scenes and he's, he, he's really good in all the scenes with the kids and like warming up to them. And then they have a lot of really cute moments together. Um, and so I think they, they did a great job using that vehicle as like the way to get you to like him by the end of the movie. Because yeah, I forgot how like shockingly like horrible of a person he was the first like five minutes, I was like, Oh my God, like this guy fucking like, I'm not going <laughs> to root for him at all. And then by minute, like 45, when he like takes them home, like with the team bus, because JP yeah. won't ride in cars because yeah. JP was homeless in a car with his mom and had to sleep like a cat in the front. Yeah. Seat. Curled just, up. Yeah, oh my just God. Driving, he had to curl up like a cat and sleep in the front seat. And like George Knox is like sympathetic to that. And like yeah. he isn't like a total dickhead about it. Like, oh well, like he can sleep like a fucking dog in the trunk. Then, like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. back to my porch. Like, he's like, okay, yeah. like let's take the team bus. Like, whatever makes you comfortable. It's they do such right. a good job, man. Yeah, he's like he definitely comes off in the beginning as one of those old school managers that would like mm-hmm. kick dirt on his players, piss all over an umpire, <laughs> like just like the most heinous <laughs> stuff. Like you know the 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 Bobby Knights where it's like if you if you if you put your hands on your player's throat it's because you're trying to uh you know motivate them so yeah it's, our, all of our all of our youth coaches were like that's okay because Bobby Knight did it when we were young and we we're like oh no <laughs> yeah like, oh geez um so yeah no dude we this cast so we've already talked about Danny Glover we've talked about Dermot Mulroney um and Tony Danza Joseph Gordon Levitt but like. This movie also stars <laughs> giant names. Multiple like Academy Matthew- Award Best Actor winners. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew McConaughey is the left fielder. Adrian Brody doesn't even have a position. He's a, oh, he's a utility infielder. Yeah. Adrian Brody's in this. Has like three three lines. Um, Neil McDonough, who's awesome and in, in tons of stuff. You'll, who's a, a great like man-child character in this. Yeah. Um, 
I love there's a scene where he's on the bench and he doesn't ever say anything, but he's playing with like a toy truck. Do you, did you see that? <laughs> yeah. There's like an there's like an entire scene where they only have him in the background playing with like a toy truck. Yeah, and it's, it's amazing. So Such a good little bit. Um, and then also Christopher Lloyd obviously is the Al, the head angel. Mm-hmm. So like the star power of this movie will shake you to your core. It is Incredible. insane. The names in this movie, um, which like, I mean, helps, I guess like Matthew McConaughey doesn't really have too many. This is obviously an early role for him. Um, cause he's, he's super young in it and you know, it's just a, you know, it's like a Disney movie where he plays like a bit part, but yeah, it's nuts. Like it is shocking. Like the names in this, but you know, there's obviously like a ton of talent across the board. And like, um, I would say that this movie does not now let, okay, let's, we'll take a break here and talk about like best where this ranks among like nineties kids, baseball movies. I would say that this movie is not as silly as a movie like rookie of the year, almost like it's corny. Yeah. And it's like, there's a corny scene where like the angels are kicking a ball around the field and the Oakland A's are like falling all over themselves. And it's like, it's like Looney Tunes, man. And then like, there's a scene where the ball literally like stops in front of Adrian Brody and he swings. And it's like uh, when Bugs Bunny would do that kind of stuff. But like, so there's some bits that are like silly, but like it's, I don't know. Like to me, it didn't come off like it aged poorly because of like corniness. It is corny, but like, maybe not as much as a movie like rookie of the year. It, it ranks pretty high for me in nineties kid baseball movies. Yeah. Well, what, what's funny about that, like to show you how bad this angels team is, like when the ball stops in front of Adrian Brody's character, he can still only manage to like immediately hit a ground ball. Like he can't even like <laughs> to the pitcher. Yeah, it's like hitting off of a yeah. tee and like the dude can't even like hit the ball out of the into the he outfield. He chops like, it. Yeah, he chops yeah, it on the on the infield. Um, I always thought that was like super funny. Um Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Well, I love it in these movies too. I love in these baseball movies where it's like this is a professional baseball team. Like what how? How are how is it that they've never played baseball before? Yeah. It's like yeah, these guys they, are these guys are like going up, No, they're like holding a bat upside down and they're like it's like, no, like you're, you made it to the major leagues, dude. They're you're constantly just on a like bad running team. into each other in the outfield. Their catcher yeah. is like the catcher you would get in like the 1970s, like in a beer league. Like yeah. <laughs> the dude's like massive and just like gets exhausted running to first base. Where the catcher's his chest protector, like didn't even get to his belly. Like yeah. his belly was just, and he was always eating like chili dogs before yeah. the game. Yeah. Oh man. Um, but, but yeah, I, okay. So your point, uh, I, I agree, uh, because what's, what's actually works in its favor, even though it's like a ridiculous premise, the whole, um, idea, the angels helping them, it alleviates like the roll your eyes moments because you're like, oh yeah, I mean like it's happening because like that move, that moment would happen in like a dozen other, um, like nineties kids sports movies. And you're just like, oh, okay. I mean, I get like the big green, like the mighty ducks we've talked about like okay i mean yeah. i guess like it's a kids movie like whatever but this one i'm like oh okay well yeah the angels are helping them so like obviously the a's are going to be tripping all over themselves because they're yeah, literally yeah. the ball around the infield so if that right. does like help solve that for me okay so like i put down like what i think is like kind of the pantheon the top four uh kids like sports movies specifically baseball is this movie rookie of the year the sandlot and little big league i would have this like probably probably second like second in terms of goodness third in terms of my favorites uh because i like rookie of the year better than this movie but i think this movie is better than rookie of the year and then the sandlot is just head and shoulders like that's where i learned like initial baseball history and i love little big league but like it's definitely fourth to me i need i can't wait for us to revisit little big league it's been such a long time since i've seen it i think I think what, like what works about this movie as opposed, I mean, I, I like them both. So like, it's hard. I don't want to be like too critical because I like rookie of the year a lot. This one might actually be like my third might okay. be like Sandlot rookie of the year. Um, and, uh, and then angels in the outfield because rookie of the year still has like a lot of great comedic bits in it. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's, it's a hard, it's definitely a harder pill to swallow in rookie of the year. Cause you're like, what? Like a 10 year old, a 10 year old suddenly has this like crazy ability to throw only a fastball right down the middle. Yeah. And it's like, I don't, I mean, come on, man. Like even if he threw 103 by like the third game, these dudes would be on, on it with their timing. Yeah. Roll his just, and get lit up and he knock, had two yeah, pitches. 
knocking his ass all over the field. So you're right in that the angels helping. It's like, oh, okay, good. They're literally getting divine intervention <laughs> to like yeah. make this team better. So exactly. like, okay, yeah, like that makes a lot of sense. That's how you win 28 games in a row uh, to get back from last in the first place. So, all right. So I would say we're relatively in agreement yeah. on where this might sit. Also, I can't um, wait okay. to do some of those other movies too. Like we still have to do all three of those oh. movies. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm super pumped about that. Um, we'll have to do like a special episode or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, so plot. Uh, now, I weirdly enough, JP and Roger, who are typically watching the games from like a tree, are going to like, it must be like a kid's day or something at the ballpark. Yeah, it's like a $5 ticket day or something. I think, okay. I think Maggie got them tickets as like a tree. Okay, okay, so... JP and Roger go to the game and um, this is after he's obviously like prayed to have help. And real quick, I'm sorry. I just, as I was thinking about all of the movies, I was like, Oh, Maggie's a really great, like female character. Literally all four of those movies are led by strong female women helping their kids. All right. Go go through it. Big league. It's, it's the son and the mom, the dad's not around. Yep. And so like, she's a rookie of the year. She basically like, gets him an interested in baseball. Right. Um, yeah, right. Right. And lot Karen Allen uh, is like, teaches him who Babe Ruth was and like teaches him all about baseball. Cause she's he is like a stepfather. So like all four right. of them have these strong female influential characters who wow. like kids. That's amazing. That's crazy that like for baseball being the sport that it is and it having such a strong, like father son connection. Yeah that it just completely just like all those movies just eliminate that aspect. And I'm, I'm sure that like part of it is that like baseball is like that substitute for these kids. Yeah. And they, they find a father figure in a player or manager because right. field in a league, a uh, little big league, uh, Chet Stebman played by <laughs> Gary Busey. In Rookie yeah, of the year. <laughs> would you want Gary Busey to be your, uh, and then the Sandlot, to be your, step, to be your father his figure, friend, like his, like his yeah. crew of friends is like his substitute. So like, yeah, 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 it's cool. Like that's crazy. I never put that together. Yeah, that's that's uh, very astute, buddy. All right, um, shut it down. We're done. <laughs> um, so, um, no, I mean that because it, it, like that's like, and again, that's like kid movie Disney formula. Not that all those are Disney movies, but like that's like that. You know, a lot of a lot of kids' movies are like where they don't necessarily always come from like happy families. So that's like an instant mm-hmm. uh, thing that like the kids have to overcome. You know, it's an instant plot point. Um, so in uh, where we're at in Angels in the Outfield are is uh, Roger JP. They're at the game. Uh, the Angels are sucking ass until um, they're sitting in like their good seats, and Roger suddenly sees this like glowing thing and an angel comes and lifts Matthew McConaughey like across the friggin' yeah. outfield yeah, to make this like jump. diving it's catch like 20 yeah. yards. He carries him. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's like freaked out about it, but he makes the catch and Roger like loses his shit deservedly. So like un- understandably so because uh, it's a friggin' angel. He just saw and then I think, and then I think you meet Al, right? And yeah. then this is where you, Christopher Lloyd comes down. Yeah, he explains the rules. The beer guy, the disgusting beer guy, who's just like in a tank top, getting shit faced in the bleachers next to them, <laughs> <laughs> like, alone, belligerently drunk alone at an Angels game, which is like Angel Stadium is already like a sad place. Like, but like this dude, man, like I, I don't even know what his backstory is, but like I bet it's dark. Um, yeah. I like that. Al gives him the rules, gives Rod, he talks to Roger about the rules and tells him that he can't tell anybody. Like he already told JP, but he's like, you don't, you can't tell anybody else. So he goes and tells the manager, George yeah. Knox. Immediately, like yeah. he was like, wait, what? Like what? Oh, well actually he doesn't tell him. No, he doesn't. He tells him the rules again. He's like, Oh, Hey, like I got to tell you oh, some more right. rules. Okay, you're right. Yeah. He tells yeah. him the general, like we're here to help. We're mysterious. Like, and then the beer guy comes back. And, um, and then the big catcher, he hits a, an angel comes, helps him hit a, a walk-off home run. And then they have a, a giveaway, uh, where like they read your ticket number and then you get a picture of George Knox and JP wins, but he's too shy, uh, cause he doesn't like strangers. So, um, 
uh, Joseph Roger Gordon, gives it to Roger. Roger yeah. yeah, Roger takes the picture with them. And then basically, like, they're making small talk, and he starts going off about, oh, no, angels helped them win. And then George Knox is totally freaked out, understandably, because his kid's, like, babbling how, like, the there was a spiritual intervention that helped his team win. Yeah, and then, but once he, once he, all it takes is he goes and talks to Matthew McConaughey's character in The Catcher. Yeah. Where they're just like, man, yeah, it felt like something was with me. And he was like, all right, I'm in. Yeah. I'm done. Like I, which actually does it like, it sounds ridiculous, but it's actually like, cause you mentioned this in like baseball, it's such a superstitious sport yeah. that like that. I, yeah. That tracks like whatever gets you the win to the next day, you're going to, you're going to ride that. So of course, like he goes looking for this kid who said some, said r- some random thing about angels and was like spouting off some crazy stuff. He, and then it, all it took was him like thinking about it for five seconds and being like, yeah, all right. I just, like, well. all right yeah okay let me go let me go find this kid so now he invites roger to um another game and is just like totally on board for whatever insanity is about to happen and that's where they create the famous like because he keeps calling him over before the game starts like oh like an angel like he like al showed up again and so that's where al gives him the rules like hey you can't tell anybody else like the manager knows and jp knows from now on like but like nobody else or we'll get shy we won't come and you'll be an orphan forever, essentially. Your dad won't come and get you, buddy. Um, so they create the famous sign that became a big thing yep. at Angels games where they flap the wings. And it's the subtle, like, that's... And then the poor assistant media guy is just getting... The kids are just, like, ruining his day. He's getting nachos yeah. all over him. They're throwing <laughs> drinks all over him. He's getting mustard on him. Like, it's... He hates his life. So you've, yeah, Taylor Negron plays, uh, RIP plays, um, the assistant wearing like a tweed or a linen suit, like a bow tie and JP like shoots some mustard on it. And then they put their nachos down and he sits on his, on the nachos (laughs) and like (laughs) JP, JP is just fucking up this guy's life (laughs) and it's pretty fun to watch. Um, but I was wondering, you've been. My my son is too young. Um, he was at a baseball game last year when he was like super little. He wasn't a year old yet, and he did get on TV. Oh, uh, nice! And 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 cried. Okay. So they were doing okay. like a bumper, a bumper for a new inning, and they were just like filming the crowd. And so they were filming my son. And so like what you can see in the video is that he's like losing it, losing it, losing it, and then he starts bawling as it like fades out to the game. <laughs> so it's, it it's amazing. Or like it was an Indi- it was an Indians game. Right. So that was fun, but you've been to your, you've been to games with your kids and they're a little bit older. Have you ever experienced that they were like, they're spilling shit all over you? Oh yeah. Okay. So like I've taken, <laughs> we haven't taken our youngest to a game yet because we were going to, I was going to get the, uh, Cleveland Indians were supposed to come into town to play the Dodgers. And so I was literally going to go to all three games with them because it was going to be uh Memorial day weekend. And I was like, Oh, perfect. We'll go, th- we'll see three games in a row. I like Dodger stadium way more than angel stadium because it's a lot closer. Uh, but the season, obviously, like we weren't able to do that. Uh, so we'll try next year. Um, but I've taken my oldest to uh, him and I went two years ago. The Indians played the Angels. It was like opening day. So we went to that. That was really fun. Yep. And yeah, I mean, he spilled a couple, like he spilled his popcorn a bunch of times, but <laughs> it was really cool because like the stadium wasn't full and we like went in the shade and he just was like a human garbage disposal. Like he had yeah. all the hot dogs. <laughs> it was like so much fun. He lasted like pretty well. He lasted to like the seventh inning. Then we left. Yeah. Um, we got to see Shohei Otani's uh, like first ever home run in the majors, which was cool. Oh, um, cool. Keep that ticket. Yeah. We, we uh, got to see Corey Kluber pitch, which was awesome. And then we took him the following year uh, when his uh, grand, when my parents came to town with the, the four of us went to an angels game and he was just like, spilling like he spilled ice cream and like like he had a hot fudge sundae like george costanza at the open like literally just like i have a great picture he's spilling it like out of the little helmet all over his face not paying attention he doesn't care about the game like he wants to run on the field and he just wants food so it's like right i have here i'm holding up for steve we got this uh the old school oh i love it bobblehead there um yeah but yeah, man, like baseball games, like Angel Stadiums, it's it's cool, but um, it's just really hot there. That's the thing is like, and they even touch on it. The kids ask right. for 
Uh, he sends uh, the immediate jackets. And he's like, go get him jackets. He's like, nine, it's like 90 degrees. Like it's always hot at Angel Stadium. Like it's never not yeah. hot there. Right. So, yeah. So they, for whatever reason, just keep sending him on these like missions. Uh, Cause JP is always like going to pee himself. And, but it's always to like get him away from the talk about angels, which yeah. is always like, it's like a little flimsy. It's like, okay. Um, but yeah, so they just like are ruining his life. And, I, I like that the radio uh, we haven't talked about the radio announcer yet uh ranch wilder great name. um great name. A, a fantastic name total asshole uh played by jo sanders I yeah believe. yeah i think you're right also that um, was and thing. we should have a we should do an episode that's top like 90s baseball announcers because like john candy was amazing obviously bob Uecker is like the best from yeah like Everyone based their performances essentially off Bob Uecker doing his thing in the major. Oh league yeah. League. Oh yeah. And he's a total, he's a total uh, asshole because, and also because he's a, he's the villain because you learn also that um, he played at the same time as Danny Glover's character. And he like spiked him at home plate to ruin Danny Glover's career, which is also very, I wonder if they were referencing like Pete Rose because Pete Rose in an all-star game, ran over the Indians catcher, Ray Fossey. Yes. He like bowled him over at home plate like broke and his, like, ruined his career. Like yeah. broke his, like hurt his back and like ruined his career. Yep. Pete Rose is an asshole and he got what he deserved. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I, he was my first sign baseball when I met him in Vegas. And that dude, my, my sweet mom is like the biggest Reds fan. And my dad and I met Pete Rose. He was super nice. We were the only ones in like, the sports store that was like tucked away in like Mandalay Bay where yeah. he was signing autographs and the dude, it was college football season. He was like, Oh, like we told him we're from Ohio. He's like, Oh yeah. Like, did you catch the line on like the Indiana Purdue game? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no man, I didn't, uh, I didn't catch the line for like the, the, the two and four noon game. Like, <laughs> Boiler Makers versus like the one and five Indiana, Indiana, Indiana. Like, Oh my God. Like he, and my mom's like, do you think he still bets? I'm like, yep. Pretty sure, like oh, every dollar sure. signing balls that day was just going on like a ten game parlay because <laughs> he had a feeling. <laughs> I will say, I do. I actually would say that I would want P Rose in the Hall of Fame. I think baseball should let in every single oh, of like the steroid yeah. guys. Yeah, all the steroid guys, all the uh, a cheater like uh, or a yeah, he's not really a cheater, just like a gambler like Pete Rose. I just think he was just an asshole. Like that's right. all you know, and he still kind of is because he's like, just like crazy flaunted, racist so. Ty Cobb in there as like your main. Yeah. Like one of your main, like first class, you gotta let the other guys in. Yeah, I, I, I'd say let them all in. I, 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 as much of a jerk as he probably was when he was a player, he maybe is a nicer dude now that he's older, but like Pete Rose should totally be in the Hall of Fame. Agreed. Anyway, well, <laughs> Ranch Wilder. Ranch Wilder was a, you find out from his co host who he's a total dick to, uh, he was a manager of the Angels and just like sucked at it. Right. Yeah. So that's also, I believe, like, wasn't Hawk Harrelson uh, in like the White Sox, like front office at one point? I think, so, yeah. When he was before, before he was an announcer, I think. Remember him? Yeah. I think you're right. I think he was. Yeah. He, uh, Hawk Harrelson. Yeah. I believe he was in the White Sox organization as well. Um, maybe I'm way wrong, but. I never liked that guy's an Indians fan because I hated when he would have his big saying he gone or uh, you could put it on the board. I hated that. Um, and also when I used to work the AP uh, for uh, the Indians, he would always house a lot of he would always come in just like housing ice cream. And I was always just like, Ugh. but uh, <laughs> um, but he seemed nice enough. So. Um, so, yeah, Ranch Wilder kind of has some like various uh maybe some like various things that they're pulling from um and so there's he's the villain of the story that he eventually like kind of like pushes george knox to the brink of losing his job which is kind of insane but it's all at this point in the movie like they've won two games in a row and the, he's like the resurgent angels looking for you know blah 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 and it's like dude any team could win two in a row yeah even when they win three in a row they act like this was like the beginning of something special where it's like even like a 60 win team wins three in a row. So it's just this like they go from like winning three in a row to them just being like, and you get the idea. We're, we're at the end of the season. Yeah. Like it's done. Don't worry about it. Yeah, they we're just, in first they, place they now. Like the standings and then like frantically like scrambling up the standings. Yeah. Which like, um, 
Yeah. So actually Hawk Harrelson. Okay. Real quick. Yeah. Hawk Harrelson was like the de facto general manager. So he was in like the front office in some weird capacity with the White Sox. I wanted to clarify for all the base, for all the baseball people watching this or listening to this. Um, So, so yeah, so this is like, you know, if you're in last place in July at the all-star break, you're like 20 games behind. So not only do you have to make up the 20 games, you then also have to hope that the first place team is losing. And so it's got to be like a 30 game swing. So literally from like July until the end of the season, I have to assume that the, that the uh, angels only lose that one game where Roger ha- is in court and can't make it. That's like the only game they lose. So it's like they go on like a bizarre, like 35 game winning streak. Yeah, no, it's yeah. I mean, cause you got, you have what, like 70 games after the all-star break 70 to yeah. About 75 games are happen after the all-star break. It's It might be less than that. And you got to also hope that, well, like maybe what could have happened is, the uh the top two teams maybe their schedule was like very backloaded with them where they played a majority of their games against them and so they were able to like directly make up all that by just beating them they were directly able to make up all that uh that gap i mean it is super unlikely also i guess angels helping a team win is also very unlikely as indians fans we can attest to that it doesn't do any good playing for your team to win they never win no they're no <laughs> That, you, get to the, that, you, get to, uh, you get to the ninth inning of Game 7 of the World Series with Jose Mesa on the bump, and he chokes away because his financial advisor decided to tell him how he was losing all his money prior to the game starting, and then you hate your life. <laughs> was that really what it was with Jose Mesa? Oh, yeah. So I was literally listening to the radio like two decades later, and my dad and I were listening to sports talk, and we both stared at each other. When they had a, it was like a sports agent was on. It's like, what's the craziest conversation you had? And the guy was like, oh, it was like before game seven of like the 97 World Series, uh, the closer of the team that lost, I had to like sit him down and tell him he had like lost all of his money of his investments. And it's like, (laughs) you motherfucker, you chose then to tell Jose Mesa he lost all of his money. Tell him after he's celebrating winning the Indians a World (laughs) Series. And so, like, we when he wins like, that World Series bonus, when yeah. he gets the World Series bonus to pay off his debts, yeah, we just stared at each other, just oh. in <laughs> that, like, of all people. Hey, sorry to bring this up, Jose. I'm sure this won't affect your. I know you're prepping for the game right now, but like, I, I feel like I should probably just let you know you're flat broke. <laughs> now get on out there! Oh my god! Wow. This is why the Indians need to change their name. We need that better. I need I need good vibes coming from this team now. There's too much working against this team. Yeah, well, it's always funny when people are like, "See what happens when you get rid of the uh, the when they like lost after get, like in the playoffs, they got swept by the uh, Houston Astros cheaters." Um, after getting rid of the Chief Wahoo, it's like, "See what happens." Like the team hasn't won since 1948. Like I don't think that's what affected yeah, right. like, anything. <laughs> right, I know. Yeah, they just. Are un I would say yeah, just unlucky as an organization. They really are. They really really are. nothing else other than that. We're yep. just we just are fans of a uh, what is now the most cursed franchise in baseball. It's great, yeah. Thanks, great. Um, okay, so you know they win, 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 win. Everything's going crazy. Everything's going well. Uh, they make George, George Knox has to make all these like goofball decisions because the Angels keep helping like all of these like bit players or like these dudes who can't hit and like so you know he's it makes him look like this like amazing manager and so on the game where jp or, or where roger can't make it and they lose jp's crying his eyes out and danny glover in like a very touching moment like you know consoles him um in further just like making you feel like this character's turned like this crazy corner from being like a dickhead to like the really great father figure and so um, Ranch Wilder notices this and he goes and talks to JP and JP just spills the beans that like angels are helping the team which like if you're like a self-respecting journalist or like anybody you're like okay so okay, this kid buddy. yeah like alright little guy he's like an 8 year old and you're just like okay Incredible. And, insta- and he believes yeah. him and instead he not only believes him he gets it printed in the paper and so some journalist was like oh I'm gonna run with this this team this team that's like making a run for the pennant is like, you know, it's like, oh, that's a, f- if anything, it's just like a fun bit where it's like, 
yeah, okay, of course, like a team like the California Angels, a kid might say the Angels are helping them. Like, that's a fun little story. And so they they write it as if it's a scandal. Yeah. As if it's like, oh my God, this is going to end. Also, has anybody been watching what's happened in the games? Like, that's literally the only explanation. Like, (laughs) it makes no sense. Because it's not like it's, oh, like they're pitching, are pitching, they're like hitting the corners, the Angels are helping them, like, a very boring, tedious movie where the angels are standing on each side of the corners and like making sure they're manipulating the strike zone, like like Greg Maddox precision. It's like yeah. a dude's hitting an infield grounder and running it out for an inside the park home run because like <laughs> right. four guys tackle each other and the ball's on their hat. Like that makes no sense. Yeah, have you ever seen a have you ever seen a guy pitch and the ball stops in midair right in front of home plate? <laughs> yes, exactly. I would be like, oh like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Cool. I'm glad. Yeah, we you're probably yeah, you're probably right. Man, I, I I've never seen a left fielder jump fifty yards, but okay, <laughs> <laughs> sure. So then, like then, the, so word gets out in the paper that this is happening, and then in like the most like bizarre moment of the movie, the owner calls George Knox into his office and says, "You got to stop this bullshit, or else I'm gonna fire. I'm gonna fucking fire your ass." And, yeah, and I'm it's like fire you when you're like in last place. But now and that when you beat up my, you, I just watched you punch a player in the face, and I told you to. I told you I'm behind you 100. percent No matter I what, punch Ranch Wilder, our announcer, in the face. Oh, yeah. I supported you through that too. But now that we're winning, and, there's angels behind it. Like you're gonna get fired. And like we're about to, we just went from the the basement to first place, and we're making a run for the World Series. And I'm going to fire you because some silly story comes out that like you think angels are like helping the team. Like who cares? What is this? What is like the problem here? Is this like some, is this like some allegory for like sin? Like where it's like these, like the devil's tempting Danny Glover or something. Like I know I've never seen the original. There was a 1951 version of this. What? Yeah, dude, this is a remake. Oh my God. So, I think it's the pirates in that one. And I can guarantee you in 1951, that has to be a way more religious movie (laughs) that like, like I promise you that is a more religious movie. (laughs) So I guarantee you there's like elements of that. Like I almost wonder if like the owner is like the devil tempting Danny Glover here where it's like, you know, walk away from God, you know, that kind of thing. So (laughs) like I, that's my only explanation. Cause like from like a pure, just like realist, point of view it's like what the fuck are you talking about you're gonna fire your manager that's crazy yeah so they have this this press conference and then um that's where maggie has her big moment maggie comes in and basically talks about these two boys and what she does as like a foster mom and it's like a really it's actually like a really good scene and then there's the touching moment where like all the players stand up and say like they're not going to play for anybody else other than george knox and so then it's like and only then, because they're winning, yeah. only because they're winning, because exactly. like before that, it. he would have he would have literally killed their families. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, also, it's great because like so the we know as the viewers that like that conversation happened with the owner and the manager, but it's not been positioned like to anybody else that like this is a press conference where George Knox is being fired. So everyone randomly, right. everyone ran it's just like a press conference is happening and everyone shows up for it. Um, there's no other explanation <laughs> right. for this conference where he might lose his job. Right. Um, and so like everyone is like takes it upon themselves to say like, I'm only going to play for George Knox. And so then the owner's like, George Knox stays on as manager. And it's like, oh, well, like you never positioned it otherwise to anybody else. Only to George Knox. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know they're going to be playing for the World Series. Like, I know this. Yeah. Exactly. Like, cool. <laughs> I know. And like, man, Tony Danza's character, Mel Clark, who, uh, who's been like on fire ever since he put him back in. And like, I would say like the beginning of August, he has a dead arm. Um, and he, and the last interaction between the two is like Danny Glover really like doesn't want to put him in the game, but he does. And that was the last interaction. And so it's really funny that like Mel Clark is like, I won't play for anybody, but uh, George Knox, and it's like I don't know, man. He's still kind of an asshole to you. Yeah, he treats it's him like, like I, also Tony Danza disappears for like fifty minutes in the movie. Like you meet him early on, where it's like you're not pitching for me ever. Like, and they talk about the pain pills. Then he's gone for about fifty minutes, 
And then we yeah. finally see him like come back when it's decided like he's going to pitch again. Okay. Now let's get into Mel Clark because randomly at the beginning of this movie, he like hacks up a lot. He like coughs. He was smoking and a Glover- in like a, like a water bath. Oh, that's right. Okay. So he's smoking a cigarette in a bath. He coughs and, and George Knox is like, it's not contagious. Is it <laughs> then out of nowhere in like the biggest game of the season where Mel Clark is pitching his 150 bajillion pitch complete game where his arm would literally fall out of its socket. He Al comes to Roger for the last time, tells him we can't help during a championship game, which like, okay, also dude, this isn't a championship game. So this is just to get you to the championship series. This actually, I'll, I'll get into that in a second that this is not actually for the pennant, but the, Al, Al is like, I can't help him. Also, Mel's going to die in six months. Yeah, he'll be joining so us. He soon. Tell- he'll be joining <laughs> us soon, Ted. He, he's been smoking for years. Lung cancer. It'll kill you. What an, in- what an insane thing to tell a child. To be like, to have to like grapple with that. That like, and like also it serves no function of the film. That like, you're just going to be like, Mel Clark's going to be dead in six months and he doesn't even know it yet. And he's just like this poor guy like standing there like, He's been abused by pain pills. Yeah, okay, okay, he smokes, but like Jesus Christ, you're gonna give him the death sentence in this movie that like he's he's about to go pitch the game of his life and he's like, Well, don't it won't matter. He'll be dead in six months. Yeah. Yeah, I hope they won the like the World Series then. So he's got a ring before he died. Like it's super- Yeah, all they all they do here <laughs> so sad. Like <laughs> I know. It's like shit. So yeah, so like out of nowhere, they drop this. I don't know what even why they allude to it in the movie. It's like it makes no sense to like say you're going to kill this character off. It just it, absolutely it makes been, no yeah, sense. It could have just been a like he could have just not been a smoker, and it could have just been like he's not going to pitch anymore. Like this is his last game. It's like oh no, that's like, it. Yeah, that's, that's in and of itself. Like his he has to retire. I think and like I like that they made it like a Cy Young experience where like like the dead ball era where it's like he's going to throw 250 pitches and it's going to be like and then he's going to pitch again tomorrow too. And do the same. <laughs> yeah. Go smoke that cigarette in an ice bath. Yeah. You'll be fine. <laughs> well, okay. Now, here's the thing is they keep talking about the pennant. Is Angels are going to win the pennant. In 1993, like I said, the, you still had these old divisions. So you only had two divisions um, per league. So you had the West and you had the East. And in the American League, uh, in the West, you had White Sox, Rangers, Royals, Mariners, California Angels, Twins, Athletics. They play the Athletics a bunch in this movie, and then they play the White Sox a lot. And the way that it used to work is that what would happen is the top two teams from each division would play in uh, a championship series, which would then go to the World Series. So the only thing the Angels are doing in this movie is winning the division. They don't even go to the championship series in this, which would have been against in 93, the Blue Jays, which is the year Joe Carter hit their walk-off uh, home run to win the World Series for Toronto, which is like amazing. Yeah. So the Angels probably would have lost then. But it's like, I, I don't, I like, I don't understand um, like all this talk about the pennant because it's like, no, they're only going to win the division. They still have to play to even go to the World Series. So, like, what's going on here? Like, is this just like a gaping plot hole that I didn't even like that they didn't think about? That it's like they're playing for the pennant, yeah. but they're not going to win it. Yeah, I mean that always happened though in the like in the kids movies where, um, like in Rookie of the Year, they beat the Mets to go to the World Series. Like it's a, like, and then you find out later they w- ended up winning the World Series. Like that always right. happened. Like it's I think little, uh, little big league probably handled it the best because it was to make the playoffs, and it was a one game, a one game uh, series against the Seattle Mariners, uh, and that was to make the playoffs. And so like okay. they, that one seemed to have like the best grip on um, reality. Reality, <laughs> and it, I mean also that one had all those players in it. Like it had Carlos Baerga, Sandy Alomar. Randy Johnson, King Griffey Jr. Yeah. Like that yeah. one had stacked with like all these players in it. That was awesome. Um, I need to, I can't wait for the background of that movie to find out like how in the world that happened. Dude, that is wild. Yeah. They got everybody in that movie. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, this is like a constant thing with sports movies. Either they, 
they mess up the in football they always are like messing up the clock and the back of the like background where they can never seem to get it right what the score is what quarter they're in like i i just don't know like for some of these movies i know it's a kid's movie but just like how do you not like you have to have some kind of a sports consultant who's on to say like oh this doesn't make sense like they would be like they would be playing for the pennant based on this script like just have it be right. a series against the team in the in the in the east it'd be the the right. blue Jays, the just, yankees like whoever just be like oh hey we made it to the world series like that's all you have to say yeah <laughs> like it's just like oh we made it we're here so i don't know yeah it's like weird that the stakes were as low as they were um because all the dad with the beginning would have been like, oh, well, when the Angels win the World Series, we'll be a family again. It's like, okay, yeah. so let's go to the World Series. Exactly. So um, so anyway, so the, the Angels win their big game. Mel Clark's going to be dead, so it, it doesn't matter. And then um, you, you think that would be an emotional moment. Then George Knox takes the kids home, and they're celebrating and everything, and Maggie tells Roger that somebody called uh, social services to, uh, you know, for, to help him find a permanent home. JP gets really sad. Turns out George Knox wants to adopt Roger and JP. And they have this just like amazing emotional hug. And everybody's like, I mean, it really actually is a pretty great payoff because it it really is nice. Like even for like a kid's movie, it's like, man, that kind of works. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, it was great. It was super cute. I like JP just gets me in this movie, man. Like he, I know he's so cute. And he didn't act in much after this. He was, he was in a, like uh, a fake, like 30 for 30, like talking about the scandal of the angels. Like, Oh really? Years later. That was like, uh, uh, one of the comedy sites made it. It was like, I remember him. I think Matthew McConaughey appeared in it too. Um, I think it's, Oh, I gotta, I gotta see I, that sure it's a yeah. funnier die sketch um but yeah i mean he's just like adorable like like he's probably one of the top five like cutest kids in like a movie with like the kid from jerry Maguire, g baby and like i mean those are probably three of the top ones right there uh but yeah he's yeah. really sweet and you're right like danny glover is so good in this movie yeah he carries a lot of the weight in this movie yeah and it's just like danny glover like stardom time still because he's still uh this is this is like right after the third lethal weapon i think um so he's still like making pretty big movies so like that was a really big get that he was like it wasn't like when he was like in saw where it's like oh this is years after like danny glover's yeah. prime this is like he's still making some big movies uh so right it's like, really cool that he's in this film yeah I and and again that that does help this movie hold up because there he there's so much talent there and he really from an emotional standpoint man do I do I absolutely buy like the transition of George Knox from being like a total asshole to being like you know I hate to say it in like religious terms but like this like born again guy where he's like where he's just like he like rediscovered who he was and and like he had a bad background too growing up. So like he had a, a father that neglected him. And so like, there's that connection for him and the boys. And so like, there's like a lot of emotional scenes in this that like really, really work. And uh, obviously Joseph Gordon-Levitt, we didn't talk much about him like specifically, but like, he's really fun in it. Like you can tell that like he, you, like sometimes with kid actors, like you just know like, Oh, he's a good actor. He's going to be good. Um, there's like just that natural talent. And like he, he conveys a lot of the emotion really well. So even like that corny scene where they're doing the arm thing at the end where the whole stadium does it. I don't know. It's not as corny as like I thought it, it it's corny, but I'm in, I'm in, I'm into it. I, I mean, I think it's funny. There's probably a controversy for angel fans. It's like, which one's a better thing. Is it that or the rally monkey that became big the rally monkey. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's maybe they should have, I think, them, have the rally monkey like doing the angel thing. Oh Yeah. Well, I don't think the Angels actually have a. Um, they're one of the few teams that I don't think have an official mascot. Oh, okay. I think the Rally Monkey is like the unofficial, but I don't know if they have an official one. So, in the mascot community, there's a lot of uh, debate over the Rally Monkey being instituted they as the official. Christopher Lloyd and just keep him in a cage as Al, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I think no. I mean, I, for a second, I almost thought the rally monkey was the friends monkey, but I could be wrong. No, no, I don't think it is. 
I think it's a different type of monkey. Yeah, maybe. Okay, I'm thinking of something else. I, I think I'm getting my wires crossed from Outbreak. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> well, I like in baseball has these random things that become like you find out. Yes. Like uh, the baby shark thing for the Nationals last year. Yes. Like I, the, yeah. It's always super fun. And I think that's a, one of the coolest things about baseball is um, that obviously you have a series in the home at the like at each of the home stadiums and like football, you don't get to see that basketball is like a pretty sterile, like just every arena is like the same uh, baseball. Yeah. is so cool because it has its own distinct um, environments and like weird things that become superstitions. And you get a little bit of hockey, which is cool. You get some of those like superstitions of hockey, which I like. Um, yeah. Yeah. I always like when you find out a random thing, cause I had never, obviously I was in Ohio in like the early 2000s when the rally monkey was a thing. And so I didn't find that out until the world series. And I was just like, Oh, this is like a crazy thing. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, and again, that's why like it shouldn't come as a shock to anybody if like a team was like, uh, yeah, the, like there are angels from heaven helping us. It's like, okay. Yeah. That sounds sure. That why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Cause like, I remember a couple of years ago, the Indians had like a rally chicken. Somebody, I think it was like Cody Allen was wearing like a chicken mascot costume. Yes. And like, that was like their big thing for a year. So it was like, yeah, whatever gets you through a season. Yep. Okay. So this was, I actually really liked what you posed here. What would have been the most insane alter, uh, alternate team to choose for this movie based on like the mascot, like the mascot is the thing helping. Yeah. So my, uh, my team favorite were the tigers and the giants. I'm picturing okay. like the giants new stadium right on the water where a giant literally like comes out of the cove and climbs over that brick wall and is just like smacking things. I'm picturing that giant from like the Disney movies. Um, yeah. the animated one or just yeah. straight up tigers running around the field, like invisible tigers, tripping players, like swatting balls. Like, I think that would have been very cool visually. So my choice would have been the pirates like because that. what I think would have happened, cause you could have made this like a real hard R yeah. and I think what would happen is like the pirates would just like straight up murder an opposing team. So like almost like predator where like when he's like invisible <laughs> and he puts, and he puts like his like, claws like through a dude like through a dude's back like out his chest like i could imagine like a pirate taking a sword and like one of the opposing team's players is gonna go get a ground ball and out of nowhere he just like spurts blood out of his chest and like he's like suspended in the air because like a pirate like just like impaled him like that would be sweet that would be the remake i'd want to see like just this like and there's like all these like mysterious deaths now happening around baseball whenever they play yeah I like, like it. the like the pirates and it's like every team's afraid to play them and it's just some sort of like crazy you know like maybe like a, almost like a detective element of the story yeah and the indians yeah. would be totally offensive if they were the choice because uh, oh my god yeah we would uh yeah the indians and braves uh, would have to sit this movie out yeah. that would not that yeah, would not track the Marlins would still just be equally as bad it would just be a fish trying to flop around the field to like help yeah. but, like it would just die. Right. It would just die in the outfield All right Oh, except every like 10 years, it would be like a fish that accidentally got exposed to nuclear waste and turned into like Godzilla. Yeah, and then like the, the Marlins would win the World Series and then just disappear for another 10 years, <laughs> as they yeah. typically do. <laughs> All right. What um, what other uh, thoughts do you have on this one? Um, I like to just like think of the outside world. OK, well, one quick thought. I love when they start doing the angel thing and you see the owner's like luxury box and there's just random kids that are like clearly not related <laughs> to him at all like and he <laughs> back and he like forces them to like do that so i was just like yeah right i thought that was strange um yeah that he has grandkids and I, I don't know i don't know if they're actually his grandkids but maybe they are um i like to like think about like if this was actually happening in the real world um like how this would affect the sports betters like you literally couldn't put any bet <laughs> on the angel no. because like especially once it like came out that angels were helping them because you would just be losing like your money all the time. It's like, Oh cool. Like for sure. Like they're, they're going to beat the, uh, the A's today. And then that like infield home run happens and you're just like, Oh my God, like what am I doing with my life? But then also there'd be like a dude on the other end of that who would have like stupidly been like taking the angels to win at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And they would have been like 4,000 to one, yep. you know? Yep. So there's that possibility too, that there'd be a dude who just got like filthy rich off of this. So actually the angels are making all these people like tons of money, which, you know, to me doesn't sound very, uh, you know, 
godlike. No, that's true. Because <laughs> you're making all these, you're getting all these greasy gamblers, you know, <laughs> lying in their pockets. <laughs> as as greasy gamblers ourselves, Fabs and I know full well oh, the yeah. kind of people who are making those types of bets. Oh yeah, I would definitely be taking moneyline angels action, like all second half, <laughs> like for sure. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah, I dig that. And then, oh, the other question that you had was like, is this the best orphan movie? <laughs> so, I think you can like, I think it's the argument is between this and Annie. Uh, Annie's obviously like a classic. Now, well, now let me throw this at you. Yeah. Is Batman, is Batman, does, is he an orphan? Does that count? Or it is because he has Alfred? I think because he has Alfred, it doesn't count. Because okay. he isn't going through the system. Like he doesn't have to go through like the, okay. System. Right. And he's like filthy rich. Yeah. He's so. filthy rich. Uh, it takes two is technically an orphan movie with the uh, with Steve Gutenberg and Kirstie Alley yes. and yeah uh, the twins. So yeah, I mean, I think I, I you could I think you could make an argument. This is one of the top orphan movies. Um, I think Annie is probably still like the gold standard, uh, but this movie yeah. is like a sneaky good orphan movie, um, which I'm sure is not like a politically correct term at all. Uh, foster care <laughs> movie is probably what it's probably should be called. But yeah, I mean, this movie is just like has such. I didn't remember any. I, the only thing I remember going into this movie, I knew they were in foster care, and I remembered the Tony Danza would die in six months. I didn't remember. Like, I forgot about that. I forgot when I heard when I saw that again. I was like, "Oh shit!" I mean, like I didn't remember how crushing JP's backstory was. I didn't remember how crushing the story with his dad was, and I didn't really remember the backstory with uh, George Knox's family. So yeah, I mean, this movie, dude, it is like. It is like so much heart and it's so good still. And it's really funny to see, like, I always like seeing, and this was photo to a song with uh, Leprechaun, seeing actors who become like <laughs> the biggest names in Hollywood, just like the right. stuff and like what the, right. the depraved stuff they did in movies. <laughs> yeah, the paychecks they had to, to cash. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I know. Though it, it would be, fun, it would be so fun to talk to like Matthew McConaughey about this movie. Like Adrian Brody seems like a guy who would not acknowledge that this movie exists, yeah, but so- Matthew McConaughey would like sit down with you for like three hours and talk to you about this. Adrian Brody would just bring it back to the pianist, like regardless of what you were talking about. Dude, Adrian Brody's career right now, he's entered, he's entered the uh, Bruce Willis, John Cusack territory yeah. where they make, where they release 28 movies a year and they're all direct to video. <laughs> like in like half of them. Dude, there's if there was ever a movie with Bruce Willis, John Cusack, and Adrian Brody right now, it would be like it would be like a three different detectives solving trying to solve a case. Yeah. Just some piece of garbage. Yep. And John Travolta would be the bad guy. Oh, and uh Nick Cage would actually have to have like a cameo. Oh yeah. Yeah, he'd play a voice in it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, I, I yeah. This movie's like if you if you grew up watching this movie, you should definitely revisit this because it is like a fun, it's like a fun, just revisit. There's so much emotional, emotional weight to it. It's like a great watch. Like, cause when you grew up, you kind of maybe saw different things and like for a nineties kid. Yeah. This was like a movie you've seen a hundred times. So it's yeah. totally, totally fun. Christopher. If you're a Christopher Lloyd guy, I guess you can watch it for Al. He's great. Um, but yeah, no, it's fun. So definitely check out angels in the outfield and, uh, be sure to follow us on social media, Revenge of 90s Pod, and uh, we will see you guys later. You got an angel at your side, Roger. <laughs>